Welcome to Data Protection Gumbo, the podcast where we cook up a delicious blend of cybersecurity, privacy, and data protection topics to serve you a hearty bowl of insights. Whether you like your gumbo spicy with a dash of encryption or prefer a milder flavor with a side of compliance, we've got you covered. So grab a spoon, sit back, and let's dive into the pot of data protection gumbo. Welcome to another episode of Data Protection Gumbo. I have a super special guest for us today, and that guest is Yoop Piscar. And he is an independent industry analyst at TLA Tech and also a community builder and socio-technical CTO. So Yoop, welcome to the Gumbo. How are you? Good, good. Glad to be here. Well, great. It, do you mind giving us maybe a quick update just on what you've been up to maybe in the last year before we dive into the questions? Absolutely. So in the last year, a lot of the work I've been doing is uh, for GigaOM. I've been writing a ton of reports for them, um, mainly in the Kubernetes space um, because you know my background is I come from the data center world, but I understand cloud. I have a huge interest in Kubernetes because kind of looks like vSphere to me, but different. Mm-hmm. So I've been doing a lot of work around Kubernetes, but because I know storage uh, and I know data protection and I know, you know, all these things that, you know, we as data center people just assume are normal. I've, I've been looking into kind of the state of Kubernetes with all of these things. Okay. So let, let's dive into the, the GigaOM radar which is, uh, I know, the report that, that you that you write and you work on for Kubernetes data protection and also some of the, the interesting things that, that you have found as you were researching and maybe having conversations around crafting that report. So one thing that I am curious to find out from you as you were gathering all those details and having all of those conversations, can you give us an idea for where the market is going just around Kubernetes data protection? I mean, we have to start with Kubernetes and that whole stateless, stateful thing. There, you know, there was a promise made to me uh, years ago, maybe even a decade ago. I don't know. Uh, Kubernetes is stateless. Containers are stateless. The world's going to change uh, and architectures are going to change. Uh, apparently, they didn't because what we ended up with is stateful applications running on top of Kubernetes. And this is why we need data protection because there's data somewhere you know, in Kubernetes, in the containers, in the volumes adjacent to Kubernetes. Who knows? The landscape is complex, but it is stateful. And so we need data protection to protect all of that. And that's why this space is kind of interesting, because we have a set of mature vendors. We have a set of mature solutions out there for, you know, SaaS, for on-prem, for virtualized workloads, for bare metal. All of this is not rocket science. And here comes Kubernetes. And we're kind of having to redo a bunch of things that we've already figured out for virtualization years ago and for, you know, bare metal. And that makes the data protection space around that whole Kubernetes thing so interesting because I see, you know, us taking a slight step back as an industry and rethinking how we do data protection and why we do data protection. So that's kind of my first insight is, you know, we're basically repeating a bunch of the things that we've already done for virtualized workloads. We're now applying them to uh, to container-based workloads for Kubernetes. So that's kind of the first insight. The second one is that the bigger trend that I've 
seen, you know, I've seen this go on for a number of years now. It's not necessarily specific to Kubernetes. Is data protection, disaster recovery, data copy management, data migration. They're no longer really separate areas, uh, no longer really separate products. All of these functionalities, all of these features are kind of being, you know, integrated in one big solution. And, you know, the more mature vendors that have been around for longer that already have these feature sets, they're really combining all of it into a single you know, data management platform, uh, if you will. It's hard to kind of pinpoint a name to it because it's so diverse. It does so many things. Uh, but that's the second biggest insight I've, I've had doing the research the last you know year or so is we're no longer just talking about data protection. It's much broader. Hmm. Okay. And maybe for some of the gumbo listeners that may be new to the microservices area and have seen this, this K word, Kubernetes, maybe even the acronym K8 as well. And you mentioned stateful versus stateless. What, what's the difference there to a, a newbie? Right. So, you know, think, think about a physical or virtual machine. It has an operating system. That operating system has all kinds of middleware, think Java or something like that, .NET. Um, it'll have you know database running somewhere. It'll have the application running somewhere. That application will have a configuration, um, but then most importantly, that application most probably uses data. You know, it reads data, it writes data. And in a virtual machine or in a physical machine, that's kind of all bundled together, right? It's one big thing. And I'm oversimplifying a little bit. But in containers, we've kind of moved all of these pieces to separate entities. And so the container is just the thing you need to run the application. It runs on an operating system. It's isolated. Uh, but then all of the data, all of the stateful stuff, you know, the stuff that we care about, is in is very clearly separated into a volume somewhere or in a bucket somewhere, meaning that it is separated. It is much easier to figure out, okay, this is, you know, my container, my application, this is the data, but it does kind of pull apart everything into its smaller entities. But the container itself is stateless. So if I stop it, if I start it again, it'll not have remembered its state. It will just start anew, which is a problem if, you know, in that container image, you have stuff that you actually care about. So that only works for applications, doesn't work for data. And so we separate data out into a separate volume. And that's kind of the difference between a stateless container. It doesn't remember state, but then having all of the state, i.e. all of the data in a volume separately somewhere. Yeah, you, you mentioned the volume, right? So that's the, I guess, repository or storage or where the information lives. What's the big deal if something happens to that volume? Is, is, is this primarily where the data protection portion comes in from, from your perspective? Yeah, I mean, from, from a technical perspective, it's important to capture the whole, of course, if you you know, if you back up everything but the application, you don't have a complete picture of that application. It's hard to restore. Um, but, you know, data is the thing that we care about. We don't necessarily care about the application. Uh, we, we can redeploy it. But once our data is gone, it's gone. We cannot we reinstitute it somehow. And that's, you know, that's always been the case, uh, regardless of containers, virtualization, uh, bare metal, et cetera. Got it, got it. What about, is, is there any, like, data integrity challenges or, or issues just when, when you're talking containers and 
maybe Kubernetes it, itself, or are those not things that enter the the conversation space? Well, they, they do, but that that really goes into kind of the architecture and how you mount those volumes, how you use them, etc. I think that's kind of beyond the discussion mm-hmm. for now because we'll we'll really get into the nitty gritty. But yeah, data integrity, data security, data availability are mm-hmm. concerns to be aware of, to be mindful of, regardless of virtualization or containers. And, and ransomware, are, are those things that uh, people people with, with Kubernetes or, you know, maybe even Docker? And maybe I want to ask you that question first. Docker versus Kubernetes, is, is that such a thing? Or is that, I mean, I, I always wanted to know, Okay, you you hear about Docker and then you don't hear about Docker, then you hear about Kubernetes and all you hear about is Kubernetes. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, what, I mean, what's the deal? What, what's the deal there? <laughs> the, the deal is Kubernetes has won the orchestration war. Um, mm. So in a nutshell, Kubernetes is the scheduler of containers. Um, mm, okay. Kubernetes is not containers itself. Kubernetes is just kind of the, the scheduler of running okay. containers. Um, and it helps you do that efficiently across multiple servers, you know, at scale. Mm-hmm. Um, Docker used to be the technology, or still is a technology, to run a container. And they had Docker, Docker Swarm, which was an orchestrator. Right. But that kind of was the battle between those two. Um, so it was Swarm versus Kubernetes, mm-hmm. and Kubernetes won that fight. Now, for a long time, people still ran Docker, and people still still run Docker on their laptops. Uh, but as a container runtime, it's just less relevant these days. You know, Kubernetes has solved this issue by using other open source alternatives. And what are some of the challenges that that you are seeing? Because I am hearing a lot about individuals when companies moving data, they're migrating data from you know on premises into the cloud, and then you get into some of the cost control mechanisms and spending so much money when you are you know, running and moving these workloads into the cloud and every month you get a large bill, et cetera. But I'm, I'm really concerned more about the migration part of the conversation around just you know, K8s and how does that play into the overall Kubernetes landscape just around like migration tooling and, and migrating data from you know, maybe across clouds. Yeah. I mean, Kubernetes, Kubernetes has yet to develop a fully featured, fully mature set of features for storage, right? CSI is not there yet. It's you know, going in the right direction. And CSI is the, um, the container storage interface. And it's kind of the standard to interact with storage uh, from a Kubernetes perspective. And that set of APIs is just not, fully developed yet. Um, it doesn't have all the functionalities that we'd, you know, we'd like to have. Um, and all of that basically means for migration, we're still dependent on a third-party vendor to help us out because storage is, you know, it's inert. It doesn't like to move. It's hard to do. It's usually very expensive to do because you need to think about the migration. You need to buy the tooling or you need to babysit the processes, et cetera, et cetera. It's just a very hard thing to do. It's not easy. And we still need third-party tooling to do this. We're, you know, we're unable to do do this ourselves. And so there's, you know, there's a, a, a large variety of vendors to help us out, from the big cloud vendors that have their migration tooling to storage vendors to data protection vendors because they're in the data copy management space. 
um, and kind of anything and everything in between. It's a very diverse landscape, but we still do need this tooling. It is still something to be very mindful of, to think about, to plan, uh, because again, data does not like to move. It's expensive. It's hard to do. Uh, the list goes on. Uh, meaning, you know, nothing really has changed from a cloud or Kubernetes perspective. Kubernetes is still just, you know, quote unquote, just another target that we have to deal with. Um, it doesn't necessarily make it more complex or easier to migrate data to or from Kubernetes, unfortunately, because. You know, there's there's a real opportunity to make it easier. Uh, unfortunately, like I said, we haven't reached that point in time yet, and maybe we we never will. Yeah, and and obviously the race is on for data protection companies, backup and recovery companies to try to leapfrog each other around protecting different aspects of Kubernetes. And oh yeah, we we do this and we do that, and you don't do this, but we do this, and there's a hodgepodge of protection that I see for Kubernetes and maybe putting your, your future hat on, maybe 2024, where do, where do you think or what do you think will be the overarching maybe feature or capability that the industry should see from, I guess, as the market starts to mature more around protecting Kubernetes uh, workloads? I think that goes back to the migration bit we just talked about. Because, you know, data protection is a fairly defined space. We know what we want to get out of it. There is innovation happening, but the innovation the innovation is mostly around better, you know, cheaper, uh, quicker. doesn't necessarily revolve around adding a bunch of new functionality. It's just, you know, keeping up with where the market is going. Now, the big exception there, I think, is a lot of the vendors that I've talked to, uh, specifically for Kubernetes data protection, they're, you know, either they come from a, you know, they have a long background, a long history in protecting bare metal and virtualization and enterprise apps, and they're now also doing Kubernetes. Uh, some other vendors are kind of new to the space, um, and so they begin with Kubernetes support and then add on other stuff. Uh, but the thing they're all working on right now, and I expect to see, you know, tangible, solid results from them in the next 18 months or so, is also adding SaaS to that mix. So backing up cloud services, um, ranging from, you know, buckets, replicating buckets, um, but also, you know, just pure play SaaS offerings that are important to these customers. That's kind of an area where I think a lot of innovation is going to happen simply because we are fragmenting where our data lives. So back in the day, it was all in the data center. Um, we had you know one or two data protection solutions to help us out, and that covered the whole gamut. Now it is, you know, something is on-prem, some stuff runs in cloud, some stuff runs on Kubernetes, some stuff is in uh, SaaS, and that makes the whole data protection puzzle just that more, much more complex because now we yeah. have to figure out, okay, is there a solution out there, a data protection solution mm -hmm. that actually covers all of these products that I use now, plus whatever else I'm going to use in the future? Like that whole puzzle has become so much more complex. And so that's where I see a lot of innovation happening in, in the next couple of years. And, you know, going back to that same, you know, data lives everywhere, migration really becomes a thing. Um, and I think tooling is starting to emerge from some vendors 
and become more mature from others. And I think that's kind of the the other area where we're going to see a lot of innovation happening. Okay, yeah. And se- security, obviously, is a very hot topic nowadays. <laughs> There's so much happening, so many things going on. I mean, breaches here and there, buckets left open here and there, ransomware attacking here and there. Conversation from resiliency to disaster recovery and, oh yeah, it's not disaster recovery, it's cyber resiliency. And I mean, you can get really blue in the face when you're discussing some of these things because people get super picky about the terminology. But at the end of the day, it's just marketing versus sales versus, you know, who who's trying to, you know, be the, the number one voice around a, a new topic or a new acronym, which Lord knows we don't need any more ac- acronyms because we have too many already, <laughs> like disaster recovery as a service, right? And whatever else as a service, what, what are you seeing just overall from, from an as a service perspective, whether it's DR as a service or software as a service or X as a service? You, I'm just, I want to yeah. get your take on, yeah, I on mean, that. We, we see a lot of companies starting to offer these managed services. And I think that's absolutely a good thing because, you know, even though I used to be a data center expert, I used to build data centers, I'm a VCDX, I understand virtualization, I understand storage. I'm no longer, you know, in a position where I want to spend time on it. Um, and my expertise is just, you know, a decade old by now. Meaning that if I were to do something like this, I'm going to call someone and pay someone to do it for me because they're going to do it better, quicker, more securely, et cetera. So offering things as a service in general just makes a ton of sense. Specifically around data protection, we're dealing with the crown jewels. We're dealing with kind of the last-ditch security or the last-ditch effort that, that companies have when something is wrong. So you don't want to mess around with your data protection solution. Right. If you know, it doesn't matter how good your backup is, if you can't recover it, if you can't restore it, kind of that whole thing. Um, meaning that you know, ideally, I don't want to run my own backup infrastructure. I don't want to run my own disaster recovery. I want someone to take care of it for me because I need it to work. No questions asked. And yes, it's an insurance policy. Yes, you hope you never need it, but it just has to work. And so having the option is definitely a good thing. That being said, it doesn't. You know, it doesn't suit everyone's needs. And so it's also good for those same vendors that offer it as a SaaS version, also offer it as a self-hosted, self-managed option. Either that's for, you know, compliance reasons, security reasons, uh, maybe edge deployments that are dark. Um, there's, you know, there's a bunch of reasons why we still want to go the self-hosted, self-managed route. And I think having the option from any given vendor is just a good thing. And, you know, there is a couple that stand out that offer their product as both a managed, you know, SaaS version as well as a self-hosted, self-managed version. Yeah. And maybe the final question here, what are some of the key reasons that you can give the Gumbo listeners to further modernize their data protection strategy because things are have gone quantum, right? <laughs> it's moving really fast. Things are shifting. And sometimes I can't tell what day it is today because it's just moving so fast but what do you what do you what are some of the reasons you you can give them to 
continue to modernize their, their data protection strategy? The biggest one is obviously data security, making sure that you're protected against new threats. And this is specifically around ransomware. And, you know, there's a whole bunch you need to do. It's not just data protection, but I think the attacks are getting more sophisticated. Your attack surface is also becoming bigger because, again, your landscape is fragmenting. Mm-hmm. It's becoming, you know, more fragmented across SaaS, cloud, and on-prem. And so having the ability to protect your company against those continuously emerging threats is the biggest reason to uh, to keep modernizing. Um, the second reason I think is having flexibility because you know this having this data protection in place means you are uniquely positioned to help out with data copy management and with data migration. And because applications are moving around, they go from on-prem to cloud to Kubernetes back to on-prem to SaaS, being in a position where you can actually support the business with these migration efforts is, I think, a key enabler for the data, uh, the data protection group within companies to, um, uh, to have value and to, to continue to have that kind of business to provide that business value. Okay, awesome. And what, what's on your nightstand? What are you reading before I let you go? Oh, I'm reading a... Anything cool? It is, it is fairly heavy. I'm reading a new book um, by Tim Urban. Uh, he's a blogger. He did TED Talks. And he's he's kind of filleting. I don't know if that's the right word. I'm, I'm not a native English speaker. But he's kind of looking at the American uh, uh, worldwide political system and how that works kind of dissecting it into its smallest parts. Um, and I highly recommend you read that book. It's insightful. It's funny. He uses comparisons that are just out of this world funny. Um, highly recommend it. Yeah, I'm sure it's, if it's on the political system, I'm, I'm sure it's a mess. <laughs> it, it really is. It really is. All right. I'll, I'll have to, to see if I can check that out. But um, yeah, I, I really appreciate you spending some time with us, educating the listeners and also myself a little bit as well around, you know, Kubernetes and the importance of, you know, understanding how and why to protect your workloads, regardless of where they are. Uh, I think that's the ultimate theme, you know, leaving out of this podcast is just making sure that you are super plugged into your surroundings around, you know, what's happening within the industry and some of the different modernized strategies for protecting data, uh, especially as it as it uh, lives, you know, just on a microservices basis. So thank you so much for being on the show. And is there any any um, thing you'd like to share, maybe a Twitter handle or anything else you want to have the Gumbo listeners go check out before you leave? Absolutely. Yeah. So Twitter, Twitter is always my go-to. So I'm at Yepiskach on Twitter. Um, I'd love to get your feedback, your insights as to what data protection solutions you're using, um, where you see the market going. Uh, and of course, if you have read my GigaOM report, I'm happy to take feedback on that too, so we can improve next year's. Okay. Awesome. So Data Protection Gumbo listeners, make sure that you go out to LinkedIn and search Backup and Recovery Professionals. I have a group there with over 25,000 backup and recovery and security and storage professionals there as well. Uh, join the group. We have some great you know, insightful conversations. And also sometimes people are uh, offering jobs. So <laughs> go, go on there and, and check it out. And until next time, Back up often, but make sure you're able to recover, okay? Thanks, everyone.